Hey guys, this is Table Talks with the Tars, an inside look at the everyday conversations we have at our table. My name is MJ. <laughs> My name is Ash <laughs> Lee. <laughs> and today we are taking a turn to the personal. So just a little bit of a life update. We want to talk about moving to a new city. Don't say it. No, I'm just saying conceptually. Okay, we are not talking about <laughs> moving to a new city. Maybe we are. <laughs> and then to take a abrupt a minor life update. Right. And then to take an abrupt serious note, we're talking through mourning the loss of a loved one. Yes. And I think the last idea that we unpacked was talking around obedience and favor or disobedience and not having favor and just unpacking that together, especially in this time of like mourning and grief and then also transition for us. And I think we're going to want to unpack that a little bit more since this is first draft of our conversation on that. But yeah, that's what we have upcoming for this episode. Would love to hear from you guys and thank you for your support so far up to this point. We'll see about the next couple of months, but up to this point, (laughs) we're thankful for your support. Yes. All right. So last week we gave an announcement (laughs) on an update on our life. And so today we're going to actually take some time to unpack what this is all about. Mm -hmm. Like the hokey pokey. That's what it's all about. Mm. So tell us, love, what's the update for our household? We are moving to Charlotte. (laughs) (laughs) How to keep everyone in suspense. (laughs) So how do you feel about that, dear? It has been a journey. Yeah. I feel a lot of things right now because there's actually a lot going on in our life right now. There's still a lot up in the air with a move in Charlotte, move to Charlotte. Mm -hmm. But I've lived here 15 years, Mm -hmm. which is insane and so i'm a little bit sad just to think about memories and people you know that we're leaving behind i and familiarity right for the past decade of my life decade Mm -hmm. and a half of my life Mm -hmm. i'm feeling excited for you know what the lord has for our future and for our family for your career i am anxious about this move with littles i just don't know how that's gonna go and it sounds like it's gonna be really stressful yeah i feel like too i I feel all of the same ways by the way maybe a little bit more on the anxious not only with what it's gonna be like when they're there Mm -hmm. but also probably just like anxious to get it done yeah because we're still settling things on the purchase side Mm -hmm. yep and you know, we don't even really know when we're moving yet. Exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, we know it's by October. Like, we have, we to, have be to be out of our house. October. Yeah. Uh, we've sold our house, so. Right. <laughs> so we've at least, you know, jumped through that hoop. But now we are in the yeah. process of purchasing our next one. And we were also advised to sell the house before we buy the other house. And that so far has been such a pro move for us to be able to not feel like we have to do both transactions on the same weekend or on the same yes. day. Yes. Yes. And we were able to work it out where we got a lease back on our house. So we're renting basically our house right now, but it allows us not to have to move and then move again. 
So our house is fully sold, but we are leasing it back. Yeah. Which was just such a brilliant arrangement. Yeah. And it's been relatively stress-free so oh, yeah, far. For sure. At least on the transaction side. Yeah. I think I don't know. Like we've we've been a little bit I don't know if this is just how we've approached it, but feeling like man if lord lord if you want to let this happen, we're just going to rely on you to ha- have this happen. Yeah. And so we're not going to force yep. our hand in this and yep. this is what we want and we're just going to ask for your provision and so far it's panned out where like God's just opened doors mm-hmm. for us to actually make the transition over. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's changed. So it's uncomfortable because it's unfamiliar, but I also see a lot of potential for us to being in Charlotte, not only for like work wise, but also for our family in terms of just ways that we can experience things together, things for our kids to do with their, in their stage of life. Mm hmm. That just seem like it's there's just more variety when there's a larger concentration of people in one area. Yeah. So naturally, there's more things for kids to do as well. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. And even though it's not super clear as to what all is going to happen when we're there, and it's going to be different for sure, you know, with both of us being here for a very long time, like over a decade for both of us. Yeah. It's uh, kind of an anxious but exciting feeling yeah it definitely feels like there's a chapter being closed for us you know and not just locationally but there's the there's the Lord is moving us to something new for our family you know a new season so yeah yeah so that's where things are at right now and it's a little bit in flux and hopefully we can continue this habit of just like having conversations at the table to just update on like where things are at with this. And, Mm -hmm. um, but that's a bit on the personal side that we're dealing with that we're excited about, but also a little bit just unknown. There's a lot of question marks hanging over our heads Yeah. in terms of when is this going to happen? How will the move go? How are things going to be in the new place? And just trusting in God's just guidance. And, and so, yeah, yeah, it's it's weird when you're in the middle of the transition because you want to have time to reflect and and think back on just, you know, the life that we've built here, the churches that we've been a part of, the people that have been like family to us while we've been here, you know. Because you and yeah. I both don't have family nearby, really. And so there've just been so many people who have impacted us, people that, you know, we have worked alongside at different seasons gone to school with yeah gone to church with you know just neighborhood friends you know i there's so much life here that um mm-hmm. it's hard to really have time to kind of process through all of that while you're in the middle of the transition i feel like it's always like afterward when right. you're gone and then you're like oh <laughs> i wish i could have you right. know done this or that or gone to this place one more time or you know you you think about all those things you'll miss when you're leaving a place and you know especially the people but it's just hard when you're in the transition and kind of that mode of crossing the things off that need to you know all the things that need to be done to to really have that time so i think i've just tried to balance that as well as i can it's still really chaotic and busy i feel like when you have children like small children you know it just makes that process 
a lot more of a logistical, I don't know, thing. You have to jump through so many hoops and make sure you do it in the right order. It's going to impact more than, you know, just you and I. And so that's also where you and I are a little bit different because I could stand to learn a little bit more with how you approach these transitions because I think for me, I'm fully here until I'm not. Mm. And so closing out those, like having those victory laps of spending less final, you know, lunches or dinners with friends and things like that being on the forefront of your mind is not something I tend to think about Hmm. because one, the change itself doesn't feel real in terms of it coming. Yeah. And then two, I don't think in the sense of necessarily like that forward looking, Mm -hmm. I'm more of like what's happening right now. Yeah. And so I would want to try to do that a little bit better this, this time around, especially since we still have who knows how many weeks Mm -hmm. at this point here where we live right now yeah and so yeah i think it's just one of those differences between you and i where i'm more of like a i don't know in the moment kind of person yeah what's the next thing yeah yeah and next thing you know is you're moving right and so and at the end of the day you know like we're still relatively close to where we could come back here yeah we're not moving across country where we're now right on the west coast right yeah so there's that but yet at the same time i think some of these relational pieces that you've even up to this point already have done so well in trying to like have these last little meals together with friends and things like that you're doing with all of your relationships i should probably like yeah maybe i should uh (laughs) um, try to think through doing that as well Mm -hmm. and so I think one of the things that'll probably help for us to do is to just have something like a open house. Again, that's not even really on our mind right now because there's still so many, like I said, question marks on when will the move actually happen? Yeah. When will we actually like actually move? And so the ways that you're thinking I could like, I want to try and apply some more of that because I think it's really helpful in being able to like, you know, what does it mean to leave well? Mm-hmm. And and what does it mean to close out a chapter in where you live well? And so, you know, that's, and it doesn't have to be at the end of the day, it doesn't have to be some of the, like this super grandiose thing. Right. As much as it could be as simple as just thinking about, hey, this could be the last meal I have or the last time I'm having La Coretta for a while. Yeah. And so I'm just going to enjoy it. Yeah. You know, there's just little things like that. And, you know, it's like a local Mexican restaurant mm-hmm. that you're just realizing, wow, this is my last meal here before I move. And, and just having a little bit more intentional, conscious thought about savoring the moment with the meal or the, with your friends. Yeah. Knowing that there's, if not the last one, like there's a numbered amount of times. Right. Yeah. You can do this again. Mm hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's also like the piece about the community and the friends, like we have to rebuild that I know in the yeah. new place. And so that's, yeah. it's hard. Yeah. That's, you can't just make up 15 years worth of relationships in, right. in a summer. Mm-hmm. And so we'll be subject to a lot of potential isolation. Yeah. 
if um, we're not intentional with making sure that we get plugged in in whatever capacity we're going to mm-hmm. um, find community in wherever sp- spheres or spaces that we're going to inter- be interacting with in, in yeah. the new city. Yeah. Do you want yeah. to talk about this past weekend? We can. So we both had hard weekends. Yeah. Yours was probably more emotional. Mm-hmm. Mine was just like, I felt like I was doing an ultra marathon. <laughs> so why don't you talk about your weekend first? Yeah. Um, on June 4th, I lost my sister um, and we had her funeral this past weekend. So it's a tricky situation because my sister Kayla had neurofibromatosis. And so that disease is inherited. She she was an adopted sister and um, that disease caused her to develop tumors anywhere, anytime. There's no cure. It wasn't necessarily cancerous, but still tumors, brain tumors. She had several of them. And so still meant surgery, still meant rounds of chemotherapy treatments for her. I text my mom and I asked her how many surgeries and rounds of chemo do you think she had in her lifetime? And she had nine brain surgeries and about seven to eight rounds of different chemo treatments. She was 23 when she passed away. And I think within the past year, I don't remember exactly, but um, she was diagnosed with brain cancer. And so it's hard when you lose someone who's so, I don't know the right word, sick, I guess. There's just um, like with medical issues. Yeah. Because there is a sense of like relief and knowing that they're not suffering in the way that they were anymore. And yeah, it's also, I don't know, there's simultaneously like a lot of guilt. I think that kind of couples with that for feeling relief. And I don't know really how to explain that. I don't know if anybody else could ever resonate (laughs) with that. If they've been in a similar situation where you lose someone who has just so many medical concerns but I d- I'm not quite sure exactly how much to share about it at this point in the sense that like my grief is still really raw and really fresh. And so it's hard. I think also an aspect of this loss is that, you know, I was away. You know, all my family lives in another state. And so when you lose someone, when you are, when there's distance, it's hard for you to really be able to process that, I think, because your day-to-day is seemingly unaffected. And so yeah. it's not really until you're there and are reminded, like, there's evident absence. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That it really hits you. And so being there for the funeral was really tough because it was, like, the first start of kind of processing through that. But it was really nice to be able to do that with my family, you know, and kind of all, we've all, you know, walked this journey for a long time with Kay. And so, yeah, I, I'm not even really sure what I like think everything that I think or feel about it at this point. And so what's it like to be so 
removed from it geographically. Yeah. Thrust into it for three days this past weekend and then thrown right back into like you got back yeah. and Judah is recovering mm-hmm. from being sick. Yeah. And now Evie's getting sick. And so right. like there's right. like yeah. motherhood starts again. Yep. Yep. I'm thankful that I'm really thankful, love, that you were willing to stay here with them. <laughs> I know it was a rough weekend for you, but I really needed to be able to just be Ashley and a sister who lost her sister, you yeah. know, in that time and be with my family, be able to be fully present with my parents because, you know, what's all, what's also different about experiencing this loss is that I am able to look at it through the eyes of a parent because I am a wow. parent, yeah. you know? And so just you experience it as I've lost my sister, but also like I experience it as that's a parent's worst nightmare to lose their child. And it feels so out of order to have to bury your child. You know what I mean? Yeah. Of how it should be. And so there's another kind of pain and grief that I feel for my parents because I am a parent Mm -hmm. and I cannot imagine having to endure what they are walking through right now. And so I'm really thankful that I was able to just kind of be fully present there with them and grieve with them and you know when you're a parent you have to i don't know you know evie's three and she's very aware but she doesn't understand right death yet and you know these whole conversations and so for her to see me so grieving like crying Mm -hmm. or sobbing or you know is alarming to her at this Mm -hmm. age and so it's hard to know what's an appropriate level to allow my child into my grief you know and so I just feel like I would have had to suppress some of what I was feeling if they had been present you know what I mean yeah and so I'm really thankful that you allowed me that time with my family where I could just be yeah there and experience that and be with them and not also have to wonder about okay how is my child receiving what I'm doing right now and and having to think about that as well yeah and on my side it makes me appreciate what you do week in and week out, day in and day out. I just went, what, two and a half days and barely made it across the finish line. <laughs> so it was it was a really sweet time with the kids. But it's, like I said, it's kind of like a marathon or a, a competition because it's it's a marathon in the sense of like, it's exhausting in a different way. Yes, yes. And you always hear that. Well, parenting is exhausting but then when you're like solo yeah man that's a whole new level and so it really makes you appreciate everybody that does yeah yeah, does do this like this is reality yeah it's not just a weekend it's reality right Right. yeah and it's just so um so challenging because you can't tap out yeah yeah there's no hey i need a substitution yeah let me sit this one out for a few minutes. And so yeah. you just try to make it to bedtime. Yep. And that's assuming we you have kids that go to bed at a decent hour. What if you don't? Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, and thankfully, you know, we've kind of built in means and ways so that kids, our kids go to bed at a regular time, like an expected regular time. Mm-hmm. So. For now. For hopefully. now. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think back to just what you were talking about, because one of the themes that came up is just the conflict, maybe not the conflict, but just these two concepts of 
on the one hand, we're going to like, we're going to celebrate Kayla's life. Yeah. And then on the other hand, we're, we're going to grieving, absence. we're grieving yeah. her absence. And so yeah. I wanted to ask you, like, are these two conflicting ideas or can they live together? And how do you balance the two so that you are not just too monochromatic in how you feel yeah. in in the loss of a loved one? I think a lot of that depends on like your theology of the afterlife, you know, and an understanding of, I guess, your belief in, you know, what comes yeah. after life. Because if this life, like our life on this earth is what we're living for, then it's a horrible loss. If this life, though, is pointing to the next and that's like what's to come is the life that we're living for, yeah. then that changes how we are able to grieve a loss, you know? And so I'll read a little bit of what I shared in her service. Kay's life, although brief, has taught me invaluable lessons that will forever shape my perspective. She taught me to trust God in the face of unanswered questions and in the pain of suffering. She showed me how to be brave when facing odds that don't seem favorable. And she will always remind me of how fragile and precious life really is. And I said, you know, today as we pay tribute to Kay, I grieve and lament her absence from this life. But she deserves my tears because they tell of all the love I have for her. I thank God for giving us Kay. I thank God that though our prayers weren't answered as we wanted on this side of heaven, they are now answered in full. I thank God that everything that was stripped from her in this life is redeemed in full in the next. I thank God that death doesn't have the final say, that we don't grieve without hope of new and resurrected life. This side of heaven, pain, suffering, death, they're all still present. I sometimes forget that it was sin that introduced these things in the equation in the first place and instead blame God for their presence. But I believe Christ's plan and work has always been to put an end to sin and death and also to make all things new. I believe that one day we will see the full picture of the life that's to come and be reunited with Kayla again. And that's what allows me to be grateful and have hope in the midst of this great loss. And so I think when I understand that this life isn't all that there is, but it's really pointing to the next and what God has for us there, you know, what Christ has done to redeem and restore then that allows me to have hope mm -hmm. that, you know, my life here is a blip, but on the other side, it's eternity, you know? Yeah. I think, uh, it takes me to just, I think one of the overarching th thoughts that we've had too, that this concept of just going off of like looking back on Kayla's life and how challenging it was yeah. for her health wise. Yeah her whole life yep and like the inside of a hospital was commonplace to her yeah i think she spent more time inside of a hospital than out i, I really right. think i can honestly say that yeah and so like one of these ideas in the faith that we have been wrestling with is that if we remain faithful we will see this favor and mm. how that's actually not that's not true hmm if we expect the favor to come in this side of heaven. Mm -hmm. And so if you also like unpack, you know, in the old Testament story of Daniel, where he doesn't pray to these idols that the 
king is making him pray to mm-hmm. i'm only referencing this because we literally read like evie yeah evie's yeah, yeah, little yeah. children's bible yep and he chooses to not disobey god's commands and what does he get he gets to thrown into the lion's den and so this idea of like okay so that's just one of like several examples where you see there's obedience or faithfulness on the part of a believer but there's no favor yeah if you if your timeline ends at this person's death mm-hmm. and so in trying to understand like the broader picture and also even in just our own life we can mistake that we are seeing favor because we've been faithful or vice versa that we should see favor because we've been faithful and unfortunately that's i don't think that's the formula that we should if if it's a plus b it's c and you know uh pastor james was talking about Hmm. it's like jesus plus nothing is everything yeah yep and so that's like the cheesy answer right but to the extent that we should have an awareness that it's not because of what you can or can't do that brings about that favor we shouldn't rely on those actions to produce some sort of result yeah which is really important for us even as we face this transition to charlotte right like that we i've wanted to go to charlotte like since forever it was like a dream and now we're actually faced with it and so i don't tell me a little bit about where you're at with that thought on this concept of and i'm not even sure if it's those two terms but this idea of like if we obey god's commands Mm -hmm. if we are faithful to the faith then we will reap the benefits of this of god's favor his grace in like this yeah in this extra measure i have a couple of thoughts because i've had to wrestle with this a lot with watching someone that i love suffer the way that she has right how could you allow this god to somebody who doesn't deserve it you know and when i think about when the Bible talks about um, how God wants our obedience, I see it differently now that I'm a parent. Because, yes, I want Evie to be obedient, but it's not for the sake of obedience. It's because of my love for her. Because It's not just because I want her to be good. It's because I want good for her. Mm-hmm. And so her listening to me not running into the road isn't because I just want her compliance. It's because I value her safety because I love her. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes I was thinking about obedience through the lens of God just wants me to jump through the hoops and check the boxes because he's God and he's sovereign. You know, he's all powerful. He's all these things. And he just wants me to comply with his holiness. Yeah instead of actually viewing it through the eyes of a loving parent who doesn't just want their child to be good, but wants good for their child. And so I think when the Bible outlines commands, it's not like for the sake of those things in and of themselves, as much as this is the way to life child. And I want you to walk in it because I want life for you. I want abundant life for you. If you walk in this other way, you know, so that's my favor. Here's yeah. my favor if you walk in this way. In this other way, there's going to be consequences. You're going to have to go through things 
that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, and as a parent now, again, I read those things differently because it's not just for the sake of compliance in and of itself. It's because this is the way to life. And I want you yeah. to walk in these things. And, and, you know, Evie, if I'm speaking to Evie, if you choose these other ways, you know, of living, like you're going to have to reap the consequences of your actions. Right. And so I see that a little bit differently now that I have a lens of a parent who loves my child and in the same way wants them to be obedient to me. Yeah. But it's never just because I want her to be good. At the end of the day, it's really much more that I want good for things for her. I definitely want to spend more time unpacking this because we just, I just thrust this on you. Yeah. But in the sense of like, it seems like there is a, there's a thought or a way of life amongst those who profess to be Christians, right? Right. Who believe that this is some sort of like spiritual grace ATM. Hmm. That I insert a coin, I mm-hmm. pull the lever, and I get paper bills back. Right. And, and my first thought in how you've explained it and like just these couple of ideas we're throwing around is that essentially life has is created with a design in mind. Yeah. And that these orderly ways that we walk should be walking through is so that we operate in a way that life was intended to be lived. Yes. Yes. Like there's a design component, right? Like yep. if you, yep. if you think of a, like a bike, for example, and you are moving along the road by pushing the pedals, like that's how it was designed. If you kick the tire and propel yourself forward, yeah, you're moving forward, but it's not how it's designed right. and you could get injured by doing that. Right. And so it's not necessarily like, I don't want you to kick the tires instead of pushing on these pedals. Like that's how I'm initially thinking about this. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And sure, as we unpack it, like the analogy breaks down because it's, you know, it's a smaller picture of a bigger reality. But this idea of this favor that equals my faithfulness and that like poor outcomes in life is because I was not faithful. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the yeah. subsequent uh, that that needs to be unpacked. But yeah. it's just something that you come to terms with. And something that I've been thinking about just as we were talking, especially, okay, we could, somebody could look into our life and be like, oh, you're moving to Charlotte because you've been faithful because this like positive thing is happening Hmm. or, uh, you know, the dealing with the loss of a loved one Mm -hmm. and just like asking those questions and, you know, being confronted with those realities and that somewhere the, the formula breaks down. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to mention was really reconciling for myself God's sovereignty with his goodness because I don't have a problem reconciling his sovereignty in that he's God, he can do whatever he wants, right? He's he's all powerful, he's you know, all these things. And so I can wrap my mind around that. But there are times where it seems to conflict with how do I reconcile his sovereignty with his goodness? And Tim Keller preached a sermon about the disciples in the storm one time from Mark 4. And I thought this was just so helpful for shaping my thinking and reconciling those two things together. And he noted how at the very end, when Jesus calms the storm, that's the moment that they're terrified. Yeah. And so he said, he made this point 
that they were scared when they were in peril and even more terrified after being saved because sometimes God's solution is more terrifying than the problem. And so his next point was Jesus' caring power is compatible with you sinking. The disciples believed the storm was incompatible with the caring power of Jesus. If he cared, he wouldn't have let this happen. And if he let this happen, then he doesn't care. Wow. And so... He, you know, as he goes throughout his sermon, he says, if you start with the premise, it's wrong. Your conclusions will be wrong, too. And so the the point that he made that really kind of stuck with me is that the reality is often the reason the storm is killing you is not because of the storm, but because of where you've put your heart. If you love your career, when a storm comes, it'll hurt. But if you've built your life on it, it'll devastate you. If you love a person, storms in the relationship hurt terribly. If you've built your life on it, it destroys you. Wow. And so that I think is really more for me what needs to be reconciled when we're talking about like, why does God allow these things to happen? Mm -hmm. It's really that his caring power is compatible with me sinking. Yeah. And, you know, I think that again goes back to like, what is this life pointing to at the end of the day? We're talking about eternity, you know? And so in this life I could sink. But if the hope of my eternity is sealed in Christ, then then what is this life? Yeah. You know? Yeah. To live is Christ, to die is gain. I feel like that's what that verse really means. You know, like what is this life? Okay. If I'm alive, like to to live is Christ. To die, even better. Is our word of the year planted still? Yeah. So for our word of the year planted, which I have known confidently has been the word of the year all year. <laughs> I think that's that's the premise and the concept that we're trying to tell ourselves is that things can shift all around us, where we live, the people that are around us, yeah, losing loved ones, and we will choose to plant ourselves as much as we can, like hold on to the one that holds on to you, yeah, and that like it is not in our own strength to be able to weather these things, but we will cling on to the reality of the unwavering comfort and provision and grace that we have through Christ. And in some of these, even just the recent conversations you and I have had with purchasing the house mm-hmm. and all of the twists and turns that it's taken, like we're just going to lo- trust in the Lord's timing. We're just going to trust in the Lord's provision. Yeah. I'm kind of at the point in life with God, in my relationship with God, where I kind of joke, like I got no other choice, but to trust you guys. Right. You know, like it's just going to, it's going to happen or it's not. Yeah. And so I, at the end of the day, I, I do want to be obedient. I do want to want what God wants for me, you know? Yeah. And so it's, it's gotten to the point where it's like, God, if you really want this for us, make it abundant make it, and clear. Yeah. We're going to walk through this next step. If it's not the next step to take, close the door. Exactly. Like absolutely shut it in our face. Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's, I think the way we've just had to approach it. Yeah. So I definitely want to unpack this more because obviously I just thrust it on you. It wasn't even on yeah. our notes. Yeah. But I think it's worth talking about the ties in well, the two ideas or things that we want to cover mm-hmm. today. So that's it. That's that big news. <laughs> well, hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of Table Talks with Tatares. We'd love to hear from you. And if there's something you'd specifically like for us to talk about, visit honors underscore dot com slash table talks to let us know. And if this episode was helpful to you, be sure to subscribe and to also share it with a friend. We really appreciate your support. 
All music is from the OG MJ Tare. Join us next time for another conversation at our table.